I think this is a great episode to have on this time of the year in the holiday season. I interview Roseanne Forte, who's been on the program before, and she's back, and she's going to provide five tips for being alcohol-free during the holiday season. And this episode is brought to you by Griner Auto Body of Washington, Iowa, using state-of-the-art techniques and decades of experience to get your car back on the road after an accident. Car Doctor of Washington, Iowa. No matter who Frankensteined it, they can fix and clean and customize it. McDonald Boneyard of Kyoto, Iowa for all of your farm equipment and auto recycling needs. Hinshaw Trailer Sales of Richland, Iowa. You need a trailer, they've got a trailer for you and they fix what they sell and don't in their full-time repair shop. Girling Repair of Winfield, Iowa. If your mower is dead, Call Fred, your Husqvarna, Aaron's, and Gravely dealer. And we've got snow, folks. And if your snowblower isn't working, he fixes those too. B&B Propane and the family of Jet Stops present Southeast Iowa Today. I'm John Bain, author of Christie's Journey, The Beat Goes On, and your host. Let's get right to it. All right. Well, I want to welcome the Southeast Iowa Today viewers and listeners to the podcast today. We've got a special guest, and she is Roseanne Forte. And Roseanne, welcome to the program. Yeah, thanks for having me, John. It's good to be back. Well, it's. I wish we were in person. I'd give you a big hug. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were the last time, right? Yes, yeah. You know, and uh, Roseanne, uh, we met... Back in February of this year, February of 2023, we were in Columbus, Georgia at the Christian Product Expo, and we were there with a lot of other uh, Christian authors, and we got to know each other, and we actually did a podcast interview uh, while we were there. Yeah. And, and that was, uh, it seems such, like I said, February of 2023 seems so long ago, but back then, this podcast was a segment of another podcast that I was on. And since that time, I now have, this segment has turned into its own podcast. And uh, our original interview is available on on Spotify or anywhere you get your podcasts and watch or listen to. And you'll be able to uh, hear Roseanne and I's first conversation on, on, as far as that goes, on the podcast. And you are the author of the plans he has for me, a 12-week daily devotional for freedom from alcohol. And can you share, show people what that uh, book cover looks like? I sure can, because it's so pretty. There you go. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and I'll tell you, um, we discuss how you wrote that book and, and um, how it came to be uh, in our other podcast interview. So I encourage folks to go back and listen to that. And at this time... With the holiday season coming, you and I thought it was very important to uh, get together again and share some thoughts and ideas because I know, and you know, a lot of people struggle during the holidays when it comes to alcohol. Yeah, alcohol and other substances. I've Since we've talked, I found out, um, I had a statistic that is just incredible, Um there was a research done, 67% of people either have struggled with a substance in their lifetime or have had a family member that struggles. 
So <laughs> that's a little high, don't you think? <laughs> yeah. Um, well, when you compare it to like divorce rate, which is what, 50 some percent, it's right. even higher than that. And that's crazy. Right, right. And um, yeah. And so this is something that really reaches and touches the hearts of so many people like you and I have talked um even if it's not a family member, most of us know someone who is struggling or secretly suffering with it. So um, anyway, for those people who do want to stay alcohol-free during the holidays because they can be stressful and um, there's all kinds of um, triggers that can be yeah. present. So I've developed a list of five things. You want to go through them? Let's go through them. Okay. <laughs> Number one, and I uh, I do have this article on my website, uh, com. But number one is like being 100% all in. And people, this seems so simple, but if we're 99% certain that we're going to be successful, that 1% can be a bugaboo. That 1% is the, is the percent that allows the internal conversation to start happening and it leads to eventual failure. And, um, so just, uh, I'm going to go to this event and I'm not going to have alcohol, just getting your mindset right about making it through to the other side. That's number one. And I did have, um, I did a newsletter and I had a couple of responses where people go, oh my gosh, that's the part that was missing for me. <laughs> so wow. so ho hopefully I, uh, that's. Um, How, I mean, hearing it and hearing the small number, that 1%, it's that 1% though can be Mount Kilimanjaro. How do you get, over that and through that so that you can go there, be, right. there, be yourself without the aid of alcohol. That's actually the difference between somebody who struggles to stay alcohol free and somebody who says it's easy. That That is absolutely the difference is your mindset. Um, but how I, that actually goes into number two right? Mm -hmm. um, just staying future focused. There's a reason that you want to be without alcohol, or at least try it. I have a 12 week challenge. You don't have to do it forever. It's a 12 week challenge to see what's possible when you move it to the side, because super hard to imagine forever. I definitely didn't think forever when I took a three month challenge, I was just like, gosh, I just got to see what it feels like. And it felt so good. I decided to stay the path. So staying future focused means what does life look like? What's possible for me if I do this in the future and having that vision of a different self, because just having hope and something different changes your neural pathways. It's incredible, the science behind this. And um, that will help you with number one. By the way, these all work together. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, that'll help you with the 100% all in. Like, I want to see 
what's possible. I could lose weight. I could develop more connection with my loved ones. I could do so. I could go back to school. I could, um, you know, exercise. I could just do something I've always wanted to do, but I'm too lazy to do because I've drank too much, you know? So future focus, that's number two. And then another big one, plan ahead. So a lot of times what I hear, again, these came up for me. I developed these from listening to people's stories for so many years about what got them trapped. So uh, a lot of times if we're not planning ahead, uh, you know, Uncle Agnes, I mean, uh, Aunt Agnes pours us the glass of wine because she's used to us having the glass of wine. But if you plan ahead and know what you're going to drink, either knowing the hostess or host has it there or bringing it yourself, you know, um, bringing, you know, creating your own fun mocktail and um, my go to and it looks very holiday ish is um, soda water, cranberry lime. Hey, just throw in some pomegranate seeds, too. And then you make it really pretty. Maybe some mint, you know, just bring something that makes it fun so that when somebody pours you the glass or hands you the beer, you're like, no, thank you. I have mine. I'm loving, you know, so that's super. In a situation like that, where it's a family scenario, a lot of times there's probably family members that have the, uh, alcohol have alcoholism as a problem or may not even see it as a problem. That's just their way of life. And uh, when you all of a sudden turn down that wine drink, even though you've brought a different one, you're drinking it. How do you get over them giving additional pressures? Be it, well, why aren't you drinking? Don't you like mine? You know, that sort of thing. Yeah, we're going to, that's number five. Oh, <laughs> Develop oh, well. your elevator speech. But thank you for bringing <laughs> that up. I, I literally just had somebody in private Facebook share this. She has um, chosen to be alcohol free and she's finding more connection with her, her husband, which is so beautiful. Um, and uh, he's not drinking either. But when they went to Thanksgiving, her daughter, who drinks a lot, was really pushing, pushing, pushing the alcohol on her. Because, of course, if for somebody that drinks a lot, they want to make sure that other people are drinking a lot. And I, I think that's because they don't want you to notice how much they're drinking or, you know, um, but she did kind of, she had the hundred percent all in, she stayed future focused. She planned ahead. She had her drink. And so she said, no, she said, even though it was really hard saying no to her daughter, she felt so proud of herself. And um, isn't it interesting? You would think, you think that the parent wouldn't have the pressure from the, the yeah. child, but it, they do. they do. But what she said in her statement was like, I get to be a light for my kids. And I get to be a light for others. And I didn't realize that, that I can use my um, abstention as 
like, look at me, look at me. I'm enjoying you. I'm loving you. I'm present. I'm not saying anything ridiculous. I'm not acting. I'm not falling asleep. I'm not passing. <laughs> right. And people are like, wow, wow. Yeah. Like I wish yeah. I could do that. Right. And when this wraps up, I can get in the car and drive safely home. Oh my gosh. Biggest, biggest benefit there. <laughs> uh, two big benefits that I come um, back with is getting in the car after and going, I don't have to worry about drinking while intoxicated. And the other benefit is when my doctor asks you know, any question, how much do you drink? None. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and the other thing is you don't wake up the next morning feeling horrible, which no. eventually turns into the next afternoon or evening because you feel so horrible and you don't yeah. waste the next day. Yeah. Let me divert to one of the biggest lies of alcohol. It reduces my stress. <laughs> so Basically, what it's doing is checking out. That's why we started it, to reduce our stress, because it does check us out of life. But if you follow this through, you drink because you're reducing stress, you drink more. Then you wake up the next morning and you didn't sleep well, and you probably have to work or you have some responsibilities and you're feeling terrible. So what just happened? Your stress increased. Yeah. You didn't deal with the problem. Take the time to deal with the problem that you were drinking about. So you wake up the next morning, that problem is still there, unresolved. And you might have a few more because you said something and you did something that you worried about. Right. And so yeah. the biggest and, and then, lie. Well, and I was <laughs> just saying, in the meantime, your dog who needed to be let out at seven in the morning still hasn't been let out. Right. And your dog's going through whatever trauma that goes with your kid. Your kid. I used to yeah. Yeah, it's just horrible. And um, you know, I I don't say this to bring guilt and shame. I say this to be aware of the consequences of that substance and be aware that the substance and society, the enemy, has lied to us and I fell victim to it too and a whole ton of people have as well so you're not alone but the thing that helps us get to the other side is creating this awareness of the dog the kids your health your mental health your um your productivity your sleep um yeah and and that is the thing, but let's go to, I'm going to drop to number five and then go back to uh, four, because that's what you talked about. Okay. Developing your elevator speech, super important because a lot of people like, Oh, I can't drink. I'm just like, woe is me. And when people hear woe is me, ah, forget that here, have this, that'll make you better. Right. right. You <laughs> won't be so, worrying about that. <laughs> your tonality is everything. Um, while you might get the the heavy drinker to put stress on you, remember you're trying not to be that heavy drinker, right? But if you go, oh, I'm taking a 12 week challenge or I'm getting up early tomorrow for the gym. And I actually have, if you go to the website again, it's www.theplanshehasforme.com. I have flashcards, like 20 different things that you can say with a positive tonality about what 
what you could respond when um, somebody asks you why you're not drinking. And most people will go, well, that's super cool, you know? Yeah. And, um, yeah. you know, I used to say taking a chance, it, it, mine changed to, depending on where I was, but, you know, losing weight, feeling great. I think I'm going to pass, you know, I just want to continue this or gosh, I have an early morning meeting or there's just a lot of things, but in advance, this is preparation. This is why I love to talk about this because it's all preparation that goes into being successful um, and through that experience. And so knowing what you're going to say in advance with positivity, because you're excited about being future focused and you're excited to be making it to the other side. So that's, uh, that's yeah. that, that one. It's a great feeling on the other side. Oh, I, I had a client once that I use this quote all the time. She said, you will never regret not drinking the night before ever. And I will say the opposite. If your intention is not to drink and you do, you will always regret drinking the night before. So I love to bring awareness to whenever you say yes to something, it means you're saying no to something else. Whenever you say no to something, you're saying yes to something else. So we have to be careful of our yeses and nos. You know, um, saying no to alcohol says yes to your future self. That says yes to your health, says yes to your relationships. You know, saying yes to alcohol means saying no to all those things. And and that works for everything in life, right? Um yeah. It's just boundaries and, you know, saying yes to watching TV says no to doing, you know, doing the dishes. It, it applies to everything, but I love it because it really applies well here. Yeah. And, and I was, you summed it up wonderfully because I was thinking while you're, um, while you were explaining this, I'm like, you could take alcohol out of the topic and put another topic into this advice and get the same benefits and results of whatever that is. Absolutely. Absolutely. And just um, sharing that. Actually, I, I hadn't thought about sharing this. I have an article on my website too. I developed something called the LIE acronym, L-I-E, and it's look, intercept, and explore. So look at the story. When you get a craving, you look at the story you're telling yourself and identify its false nature, i.e. I need this to stress, you know, to solve for stress. I need this to fit in, you know, um, and you've already, you already know it's a lie, right? So mm -hmm. it, it's just a reminder of, of the, the lie that you're, you keep telling yourself. Intercept that thought with a vision of your future self, the one God created you to be, you know, there's, wait, I'm doing this because there's some, somebody else I want to see, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, explore alternative um, activities or thoughts until the craving goes away, lie. So 
And if you kind of, again, the art, I, I have that article on my website too, but um, really, uh, really helpful. I use it myself when I go to the refrigerator. <laughs> yeah. no, I honestly, and, and now that I practice it, I just say lie. <laughs> and, oh. I, and I turn around, you know, because yeah, cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, anyway, um, and then the last thing is creating accountability. Man, if there's anything that gets in the way of our ability to change any habit, including alcohol, um, it's it's keeping the story in your head, right? It's like bringing your intentions out is bringing things into the light. And, um, and so when you tell somebody I'm not going to drink at this event. It it just changes the game. If you stay in your head, the chances that you know it, this is this is the difference between people who want to succeed at this and people who aren't sure. And yes. um and so the accountability can be formed with a group of people that you trust, friends. I have a private Facebook group that for people who buy the book, I mean, you can go, hey, go into this. I'm going to come out alcohol-free. The person you're going with, if they're supportive, tell them, I am not going to drink at this event. And, um, or a family member that's there in advance. When you say in advance, it sets you up for all the, the 100% for being and there may be moments of discomfort, especially if it's your first time, because you are changing neural pathways and um, you're changing what your mind is used to and creating, you know, you're renewing your mind. And it it is a little uncomfortable at first, but I always tell people, I remember the first time I went to an event um, with friends and it was after a board meeting and we all went to a bar after and I wanted to keep my friends I loved them so I went to the bar and I, I remember my body felt like a little panic like wait I don't belong here anymore but that was a lie and I just said look just, let's just stay 10 minutes and talk to people and once I started to talk to people and engage in conversation I totally like, oh my gosh, I do belong here. I, uh, you know, it's just getting through that initial discomfort and that story that is a lie. I don't belong here. I did, you know, and, and I and had, I had fun and I stayed for an hour. So yeah. And I was just saying your friends probably didn't care if you were drinking a seven up or anything else. Oh my gosh. Thank you, John. They did not. They did not. They might've asked like, why aren't you drinking? I, I don't, you know, but that my biggest focus of the night, but they didn't care, especially after the first drink. They don't know if I have vodka in my glass or not. You know what I mean? Right. Um, or right. maybe I ordered a soda water and it's not a soda. They don't care. Right. And that's, um, that's a lot of, um, that's something I ask people to do too. If they're going to events, kind of create a goal for themselves about awareness, awareness of your connecting with people, awareness of all the other people 
that aren't drinking a lot. I used to think everybody drank like me. <laughs> and then I went out and I'm like, wait, they're just sipping on one glass. There's a lot of people that don't drink a lot. And then there are a lot of people that do. And focusing on that too, and the, watching the progression of what's going on, slurring their speech, getting louder, saying, you know, silly things. Right. Because when I watch that, I go, oh my gosh, that was me. I used to think I was so funny. I'm not funny. <laughs> I was, I was loud and obnoxious and I'm, oh, yeah. You're not that person anymore. No, no. So, um, yeah. No, I just, got I've got Go a question. Um, when someone who has tried to give up alcohol in the past and they go to rehab numerous times and spend mm -hmm. thousands of dollars of their own personal money and they go through all of that and they've actually publicly within their circle of family and friends, people know they've done this, but yet they, they still go back to the bottle every time. Yeah. How do you, such, how that's such a good question. And, um, you know, I just finished reading, um, Matthew Perry's book okay. and wow. I, I don't think I've ever been so affected by a book in my life. I mean, there's a lot of reasons that, that, that can happen. Um, mm -hmm. Let me just think about one, and this is what I'm trying to change is the victim mentality of um, alcohol or drug abuse. You are stuck with this. This is a disease. You have to live with this for the rest of your life. And it's like, oh, why bother if it's going to be like this forever? Why bother? Mm -hmm. But this... I mean, and when that narrative was created, the science was not created. I mean, God had it right. You can renew your mind. But now science supports this, is that you can change neural pathways and you can change your mindset about alcohol. And I can choose alcohol or not choose alcohol. I can choose chocolate cake or I can not choose chocolate cake. They're the same for me. They both have a little bit of romanticism mm -hmm. involved. And then I go, well, there's a consequence to that. And it's not like I'm a victim to it. And so I think, and I think rehabs are changing as well. But the thing is the rehab is 30 days. And then they say, well, you need to be part of a program. And usually it's a 12 step program. And there's a lot of victimization in there. And um, unless it's Celebrate Recovery, there's not a lot of Jesus. Um, so that's the other reason. I think um, I, I was led to write this devotional because this is just understanding that God has a better plan for you. Um, that all you got to do is get out of the way. I went from being diagnosed with major depressive disorder. I didn't even know that was a diagnosis. And that means I was pretty deep down into the black abyss. And, mm. but I believed God's promise for, I know the plans I have for you says, declares the Lord plans to prosper and give you a hope and a future. And I was like, yeah, sure. God, but I walked in faith and 
I think when people learn to follow him like daily and they know there's a plan, oh my gosh, I feel better. I feel connected with you. You, your word is truth. I was ignoring it, you know, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, and then getting back to Matthew Perry and, um, and your question, I think there's another observation I had after reading, um, his book. Okay. I, Matthew Perry was, I would say cursed with fame and fortune and he said he spent seven million dollars on rehab. He had wow. he had a, an addiction, fifty five Vicodin a day. The normal human being cannot afford that kind of habit. But it was like spend a hundred here, fix me, fix me, fix me, fix me. Right? It was not taking responsibility. I think um, God intervened several times in his life um i'm not i don't know only god knows if he actually found jesus before um you know he passed on but he didn't want to die and that was so hard i, I do recommend the audiobook um to anybody um listening who's interested in that because even he describes it as a choice. Like any time something went wrong, oh, well, you know, and yeah. he knew the consequences and he'd just do it over and over again until his life was threatened, you know? And, and the thing, the other part of his tragedy is his passing. I don't know if we've ever heard the final. No, words, no. I have a sneaking suspicion that even though he might've been on the right path, right when he died he he abused his body so badly that's exactly it it was either um or if not drugs i think a jacuzzi a jacuzzi will have consequences to an already very sick body which he had right. so um just heartbreaking heartbreaking yes. but he left his story you know his book is being read i don't you know, I did, I only read it because he passed. And so hopefully his legacy and teaching people something about, um, drug and alcohol abuse will, and I giggle a little bit about this only because he's a funny guy, but mm -hmm. he gave up alcohol first because of what he describes as a God experience. And he gave up drugs because he was told that if he did drugs again, he would, his his bowels would explode like they already had once but he would right. have to live with a colostomy bag but he was also told he was a i guess he was a heavy cigarette smoker too and so was i i used to smoke two to three packs a day i quit oh. i can't remember 18 years ago but i was definitely gonna die and he at the end of it he goes you got to be kidding me uh, cigarettes are harder than drugs and alcohol. And that, that made me laugh because I, it was hard for me to quit cigarettes. So I do understand addiction is to have a cigarette first thing I got up in the morning and last thing before bed. And I needed pharmaceutical help to, to stop. So, and what mm -hmm. I want to tell people is 
I wasn't a cigarette aholic. I wasn't a smoke aholic, and I'm not in recovery for the rest of my life. I quit because it was killing me. And that's kind of the narrative I have about alcohol. I quit because it was so toxic to my life that I'm choosing. I'm now able to understand now that my brain is rewired. I do feel like a different person, but I can look at something and go, yeah, I could do that, but don't ever want to go there again. I could do that. Don't ever want to go there again. You know, could eat chocolate. You think about all of that, you think about all of that and everything that it does to your health. Think about it, what it does to your bank account too. Oh I'm, my goodness. You know, I don't, I don't, I'm not sure how much cigarettes cost a pack, but they're, I think they're like close to $10 or something. <laughs> and, and you get like what, 20 cigarettes in there. Uh, you go get a, a drink at a bar or a restaurant, how much does that cost? Just one drink. You go one. to a major, major league baseball game and buy a bottle of beer for seven to $10. That's, that's the other thing I try and create through my programs is this awareness because I went, I live in Scottsdale, so maybe it's a little bit more expensive here, but I went to a, a holiday party last year and I went up to the bar with a woman and I ordered my tonic water, lime and soda, and they charged me five bucks for that. So most times it's free, by the way, at a lot of bars. But um, she ordered a single glass of wine. It was $15 before the tip. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so grateful. I can go yeah. out to dinner. I have saved a fortune. And here's... Yeah. We did this in a coaching group one time. What's the cost of alcohol? And somebody goes, ah, I was a cheap drunk, you know, 10 bucks a day. And I'm like, I knew her and I knew that she wasn't giving this her like full attention. And, and I said, well, how much did you spend when you went out? You know, what are, include that when you're going out to a bar or restaurant she goes well there was that time when I I used to take my mother out once a week and we'd each have you know a couple of drinks and then I'd finish her second drink because she didn't know better and <laughs> and she goes that was 80 bucks a week and I'm like and the, and then there was a time at the casino when I drank too much and I needed to get the hotel room I'm like the hotel room how much extra did you gamble <laughs> when you drink, right? right? So ten dollars quickly went to forty bucks a day. You know what I mean? And that's a, a lot of money. Forty, yeah, it's a lot of money. And, and and then some of those people that that are in that scenario, then they wonder, well, how does he have that nice car, or how does she have that nice home, or how does she able to have that coach purse, or whatever, you right? Know? Well, yeah, it's because no. they're not doing, it's the choices, like you mentioned earlier in this conversation. Yes and no, exactly. And that is a such a great uh, observation is the cost. And I always like to go through the, co the, the monetary cost, the physical cost, the relational cost, the mm -hmm. mental health cost, productivity. I mean, it adds up. And like I said, I don't say that to, I think this is also the difference in this program. 
I don't say that to make you feel bad about what you're doing because you were lied to. You, we have been lied to by society about get the girl, be romantic, you know, and God's word. And I missed it. Of course, I, I started drinking before I was a Christian, but God's word is clear about being sober minded. And, um, and the only reason I ever drank was to not be sober minded. So <laughs> clearly I was ignoring that particular instruction. Well, let, tell us one more time, the website, I'm going to make sure to have it up on the screen so people can see it. And I also will have it in the description of the episode, but please give us that website. Yeah. The website is www.theplanshehasforme.com. There's lots of resources there, articles, newsletters. Um, there's a do-it-yourself program. You can buy the devotional. Um, there's a whole cadre. I also have a podcast, Say Goodbye and Imagine. So just oh. getting that up and running. So yeah, I trying to walk in your shoes there John. <laughs> <laughs> well, cool I, yeah i will uh um hopefully i can be a guest on there sometime i would love it i would love I, it that would be cool let's that do that soon cool. so, well yeah. you are in scottsdale arizona mm -hmm. what's the temperature there right now it's for me it's cold let me see. <laughs> oh, yeah, but not like Iowa. Let me right. see. Weather. Here we go. Scott's still C67. It's kind of cold. 67. <laughs> uh, right here in Southeast Iowa today on what is this? November 28th. Uh, 15 degrees. Oh, well, I missed the That's part Fahrenheit. about the fact. You know what the high is going to be? You know what the high is going to be? 75. I'm not 75. Crazy. My goodness. We're <laughs> gonna, they say um, it's going to get up to 31 degrees today. And I said, when I heard that, I'm going to hold them to it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. All right. Well, I so, love Roseanne, this. Thank you. Thank you for being on Southeast Iowa today. Thanks for what you're doing, what you share your story, you share your, your plan and what uh, you share his plan. And hopefully Folks watching this that, that um, need a little reminder of that, we'll get that off of this episode today. Amen. Thanks for having me again, John. Really appreciate awesome. it. It's always great to visit with Roseanne Forte, and she gives some great advice for this holiday season. Hopefully, if there's somebody out there that uh, needs to try, try this advice and have yourself a healthy and happy Merry Christmas. And if you want a good book to read, don't forget Christie's journey. The beat goes on.